welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Hello, everybody. That video always gets me. Uh, I wanted to share it all with you today. Um, Just so you kind of get a picture of that because it was hard to read some of the text that was on that. It's a picture taken from the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, It was taken back in 2015. And it's 150 billion pixels of image that they took uh, of this one little segment of the Andromeda Galaxy, which is our nearest galaxy you know, to us uh, that we know of. And to kind of give you an idea how far away it is, it's, it's 2.5 million light years away. So if you were to think about that, the, the fastest thing that we know is the speed of light in our science today. And the speed of light travels at about 186, well, at 186,000 miles per second. So it's really fast, right? So if you were to take a laser and and, and point it, and it could go around the world, assuming it would follow the curvature of the world, which it wouldn't, but assuming it would, it could go around the world in one second, seven and a half times. So it's very, very fast. Now, assuming that we could travel at that speed, it would take us uh, 2.5 million years to get to where that picture was being you know, taken or, or what was being snapped. So it's, it's a very far away place, but it's awe and, and, and just amazing the creation of God and, and what He has is, is, is created for us. It, it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, that's according to our science, I like to say, or human science. I think God's science is probably operates on a very different level. So uh, I think that uh, we could probably get to it a lot faster with God. So my name's Brian Reynolds. Um, for those of you uh, that know me or some that may not know me, uh, you might know me as the video guy, the guy that sets up in the back up there and runs the live streaming a lot. Uh, you also might know me as the mission trip guy, if anybody's here. So we've done the mission trips, which we're hoping to start up again pretty soon. Uh, and if you've been here long enough, you'll know me as my son sitting over there as Mosquito Net ga- Dad, right? So uh, we, uh, uh, my son ran a lot of Mosquito Net uh, bake sales here to deliver mosquito nets to those in need in Africa and stuff. So we've 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 been around for a long time. Uh, we've been at this church since the beginning, uh, about two weeks or so after that it started. Uh, we started going when we were at South Brunswick in the school. Uh, so we've been here for a really long time. My son started out as a toddler, and now he's he's 19 years old and and just finished his first year in college. So. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a pleasure here for me, you know, to be here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about myself first before I get into the message today, um, just so that you know a little more about me. You know, I I've been blessed uh, to know the Lord from my birth. Really, to be honest, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Christian church. I grew up knowing God. Uh, I've never not known God. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a key part of my whole life. I remember giving a message when I was six years old uh, to the neighborhood kids in the, in the backyard. 
I'd set up a pulpit with a cardboard box and, and had my, my children's Bible out. And, and I got out there and I started to give this message to the neighborhood kids. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it went. I'm, I'm sure it was probably something simple, something like Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. But uh, nevertheless, I was teaching. So I'm not sure if I did a good job. Uh, judging from the reaction, though, uh, one of the kids punched me in the eye. So I'm just hoping, you know, at the end of this, nobody will be in the back ready to punch me in the eye. So we'll, we'll kind of take it for that. Unfortunately, though, as, as many have experienced, you know, I swayed away from my walk with Jesus when I was in my teens and my early 20s. I, I, I didn't discount God. I just sort of put Him on a shelf to collect dust. Uh, it wasn't, you know, wasn't forefront in my mind as, as probably many of us have done. Um, I honestly thought that I could do everything on my own, uh, it, that I was in control of my own destiny, and, and I set out to try to do that. Uh, and I took on challenges that were in front of me, uh, whatever they may be, good or bad. Uh, unfortunately, I made a lot of poor choices, you know, poor choices that I'm not very proud of. Uh, in my past, and honestly, some of those choices baffle me today. I mean, I, I think about some of the things that that uh, I got away with, if you will. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know why I'm here speaking. I mean, there's there's some things that uh, just blow my mind. But nonetheless, as I look back, the beautiful thing is is that God never left my side. He was always there. Uh, even even choices that I made a total mess, God was watching, He was working, He was making sure that I learned a valuable lesson that would become a powerful testimony to His grace in, in the future down the road. Um, he's always had my back, even when I didn't know it or maybe didn't want it. Uh, but fortunately, uh, He's been there for me. Um, I know this to be true, uh, mostly because I learned later in life that there were many, many people praying for me. And prayer is so important these days as we pray for our families and our children and our, our, our friends and our leaders and so forth. Um, it's what got me through those troubled times and allowed me to see how important it was to have Jesus in my life and centered and to do things based on Him. So fortunately, you know, I'm in a good place now. And, uh, you know, God is uh, doing things that are the right things for me, and I never look back. So, as I said, God's good. Uh, He's blessed me so much in my life. Uh, One of the greatest blessings is my wife, Beverly. She's here tonight. Uh, I honestly couldn't imagine a better and more divine choice uh, from God uh, to give me an earthly companion that uh, it just blows my mind. Uh, the love that we share and, and the friendship that we have. And I just am so grateful uh, to have her in my life. She gives me a lot of strength. Uh, and of course, right next to that are my children, uh, two of them here tonight, uh, and one of them in Virginia probably watching online. So, uh, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed watching them grow up, uh, watching their lives become God's lives, and seeing through their choices how... Uh, how they follow the right path. So it's been amazing. So enough about me. You know, let's get into the message. Just wanted to share a little bit about that. After praying about this for quite some time, 
since this is my first time coming up here to do this, I've given a lot of talks mostly on technology. I'm a technologist in my background, computer uh, science, data science type person. So this is the first time I've gotten up to do a message like this uh, in front of a group. So uh, I thought that I would pray about it, and I did. And God really put on my heart to talk about the beginning. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis tonight. Uh, we're going to start out. I surveyed the whole book. Uh, it's been a lot of time studying it over the last, actually, a few months. Um, and uh, I can tell you this, the first chapter is going to be a slow one. Uh, it's going to take some time. And we'll probably only get through day one tonight. That's my plan. Uh, because there's so much that goes into uh, this message. Um, so we'll be in Genesis 1, uh, 1 through 5 which will take us through the first day. So as I thought about the title for the message, um, I looked at the Hebrew and I looked at sort of the first word which is in the Hebrew in Genesis, which is Bereshith, and, and what it means uh, beginning or uh, by way of beginning. Um, I also looked at the Greek, and the Greek is Genesis, the word that we all use, so which means, again, beginning and origin. So I thought the title would be fitting to be the beginning of everything. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's dive in and read through the first five verses. We'll go through them. Uh, I'll read through them here with you. Uh, and then we'll uh, continue to break those down as we go through it. So in Genesis 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The book of Genesis is an amazing book. Um, as I've studied it, it's, it's just blown my mind with some of the, the places that God has taken me as I've gone through this journey. The first cha- chapter really breaks down, grab my water here, really breaks down, um, just one sec. There we go. Mouth gets dry, right? Um, the first chapter really, really uh, breaks down everything and all things that we know to exist today in the world. The mathematics, the the beauty, the science, the the wonder, the really sheer awe that exists within this book is is just it's mind boggling. Um, while I'm not classically trained as a scientist or a mathematician or a physicist, I do have a passion for a knowledge in these subjects. And I've spent many years reading and studying and listening to many different authors regarding the ideas put forth in the book of Genesis. So I've done some research on both sides. I've listened to both sides. And through all of this, I've come to the conclusion that there's no way that all of these things that we see every single day from the simplest blade of grass to the most complex makeup of the human genome, that it all happened by chance. The verse lays out really, the verses of of Genesis lay out the genius of our Creator, an intelligent and masterful design uh, that's put forth. 
to get started, you've got to first understand the book of Genesis and its validity. Uh, if you can't accept the first verse, well, you're going to have trouble with the entire Bible. That's something that you know, is very clear. Um, as we know, the Bible is comprised of 50, 66 different books. It was written over 1,600 years and it has over 40 authors. Um, from the, from basically from, from every intricate detail within the Bible, front to back, every single aspect of it, it all ties back to intelligent design. Every single piece of it. Um, and it's, it's just quite amazing. So, the first verse of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, or the last verse of Revelation, the grace of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, uh, with you all, amen, right? Everything in between all cries out of a loving, heartfelt message to each and every one of us. A message that tells us that God is real. God is our Creator. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And that through our belief in Jesus, we can have everlasting life in eternity with God Almighty. It's quite beautiful. So, Genesis, as we kind of break it down and understand a little bit about the book, it's the first book in the Torah, so, which is also known as the Pentateuch. Uh, the Pentateuch is comprised of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, Pentateuch simply means five scrolls, or as we refer to it, the five books. There are other designations to the Pentateuch. Uh, the Book of Law, emphasizing the covenant stipulations as its define, uh, defining feature. The Law of Moses, uh, which emphasizes the human mediator as the defining feature. Uh, it is uh, really the first finally prompted literary collection uh, acknowledged as Scripture by the Hebrew community. Uh, and as such, it's the most important uh, uh, Division, I guess, if you will, of the Hebrew canon. Uh, it also uh, stands first and the threefold uh, 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 divisions of the Old Testament. So the law, and then the prophets, and then the writings. So, um, so that being said, um, you might ask, right, who wrote the book of Genesis? So there's been many arguments, uh, many scholars, a lot of discussion about this over time, but most consensus po points to Moses as the author of the book of Genesis. Uh, there are many uh, Old and New Testament authors uh, who attribute authorship to Moses. Uh, I won't be listing all of them because there's quite a few, uh, but I have highlighted a few to illustrate that the Bible's pretty clear uh, about this, at least in what I see. Here are two examples from the Old Testament. So in, in Joshua 8.31, um, it says, As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whose stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. So again, I believe in this verse, we see Joshua stating clearly that the book of the law of Moses, so it was written by Moses, or that would infer that quite well, right? 
we also see in Daniel 9.11 where it says, Yes, all Israel who transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice, therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against Him. There again, Daniel, I think, is attributing that Moses wrote the law of Moses. It's in the title. Jesus also attributed quotes to the Torah, uh, to, or quotes from the Torah to Moses as well. Uh, there are two examples here that I have uh, tonight. One is in Luke twenty thirty-seven, where Jesus says, "But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord." God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. As we can see here, Jesus is referencing uh, Moses. And you can take the word shown and you can substitute it for written, I think, uh, in my interpretation, regarding that passage from the Torah. And it reads, Moses wrote, uh, as you plug that in. But as Jesus is talking about this, I believe that he's referencing that Moses you know, wrote these books. Um, however, um, I like the reference in Luke 24:27. I think this kind of brings it back. It says this passage is referencing um, around the beginning of Moses. So it says in Luke 24:27, "In the beginning, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself." So. You know, the passage references the beginning at Moses, putting Moses at the very beginning. Since we're saying that we're at the start here, I think since Genesis is at the beginning, it makes a lot of sense that Moses is the author. While we don't have a definitive answer knowing exactly when and how God uh, delivered His Word in the book of Genesis, I think it's safe to say Moses was involved. Another question you might ask is, regarding Genesis is when was it written or what time was it written? Genesis covers a period from creation of the cosmos to Abraham's family. Um, We can date Abraham's family from secular literature uh, and that approximate date is 2000 BC or second millennium BC. However, the creation of the universe came sometime before that. So we don't know exactly when the start date was. But there are many clues that we've been able to uncover uh, through science over the last few decades pointing to the theory that uh, that we're a new earth as opposed to an old earth. Or the simplest way to differentiate between new earth and old earth is we're a few thousand years old as opposed to millions or billions of years old. Um, Based on my research, I'm a believer that this is a new earth that we live on, not an old earth. Um, there's just too much evidence that points towards it uh, and not enough evidence on the other side that, that, that doesn't. So that being said, I'm not sure of the date. I'm not going to speculate when the date was, but you know, it was, uh, I think, uh, a lot sooner or a lot shorter back in time than, than, than uh, some people say. As many of you know, there may be <clears throat> are really two primary arguments on how life we know it began. So, and since this verse is all about the beginning, I think it's important to talk a little bit about that. 
the way it's taught in most of our uh, primary and secondary schools today, uh, the Big Bang Theory is the theory that we hear the most about. And it's tied to evolution, but it comes before evolution. And really, you know, it's, it's uh, I think, kind of hard to put my head around it. I did some research and I did some probability uh, research around what the likelihood would be for that to actually sort of happen, that we all came from this sort of pool of of special goo, I, I call it goo, but that's what it is to me, uh, and a certain event occurred and spontaneously life began. Um, this is what the Big Bang promotes. Um, the, the probability of that happening is one trillion to the one trillionth, which is a number that if you try to calculate on most calculators or even in most computers, it will calculate to infinity, meaning that the chances are, are pretty slim and you probably have a better chance of winning the lottery a hundred times in a row uh, than, than for this to happen. So that being said, it, it seems really highly un, improbable that, that we would have that you know, happen. However, you know, when you look at this, you have to contrast it. The second theory you know, that's out there of the two mainstream theories is that it was formed by intelligent design uh, by a creator. Of course, this is where I stand. Um, and, but unfortunately, you know, you can, uh, you can bet that many scientists or scholars or anybody that you talk about when it comes to this will really kind of become deranged if you try to talk to them about intelligent design or about a creator. Um, I've been on the receiving end of many of those debates. Uh, nevertheless, um, it has come to light as we've learned more about the world that everything that we see around us screams of intelligent design. We'll talk about some of that as we go through this and, and subsequent teachings uh, as they go more and more through Genesis. Um, there's been a numerous very well-known scientists that have come out against the Big Bang Theory uh, in, in recent years. And uh, there's a, a book in particular called uh, In Six Days, uh, where 50 of these really reputable, well-known scientists have come out with not just saying that intelligent design is something that is, is out there, but backing it up with scientific uh, research and pointing to the, to the real facts, which you won't find on the other side, and we'll talk about that some more tonight. Uh, but it's definitely something that we'll go through and we'll, we'll, we'll work our way through as we, as we go through this. So that sort of sets up, you know, where we are. Let's kind of dive into the actual scriptures now. Uh, Genesis 1.1. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So as I said before, if you have trouble with this first verse, you're going to have trouble with the whole Bible. The Bible doesn't claim to be a book of science. However, when it touches issues of science, it's infallible. Uh, there has been... Uh, there's really no proven scientific fact, I think, that contradicts one word written in the pages of the Bible. A great example is in Isaiah 40, 21, 20, and 21 and 22. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits on the circle or the sphere of the earth. 
and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. I remember reading in a, in a commentary uh, from John Corson you know, that every culture, every nation, every people throughout world history believed that the earth was flat as a pancake until Christopher Columbus proved the validity of Isaiah's words. So again, as an example, um, we also, I also remember studying Indian culture uh, and the belief that the world was carried on the back of elephants. Uh, and in the Greeks, they, had a, they, they, they believed for quite some time that it was carried on the shoulder of Atlas. So, but we know from Job that God hangs the world on nothing. In Job 26.7, it says, He stretched out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. So, way before all these other crazy theories sort of existed, we knew from the Word that God gave us what the answers were. Regardless, the overwhelming evidence that the world that we know is created by intelligence design, you will continuously have people suppress the truth. It's just the way that it is in the times that we live in. People in this world are sinners by nature, all of us. Um, It didn't matter whether it was 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. Um, For people to accept intelligent design, it would mean they would have to accept a Creator. By accepting a Creator, it would force them to be accountable for the, the sin they choose to live in. You can engage people intelligently or rationally or emotionally or philosophically and you'll still end up with them adamantly denying the existence of God. It's not about evolution versus creation. The bottom line is it's about Jesus Christ. It's about accepting that He died on the cross for our sins. It's about turning away from your sin and walking in the light of God. We must live by faith. So as we move on uh, into uh, verse 2, we can break this into two parts. It gets pretty interesting here. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We'll start with that first part there. Something here really stood out to me as I did research on this. Without form and void. It's basically saying that the earth was pretty messed up. Um, However, we see something different in Isaiah 45.18. In Isaiah it says, For thus say the Lord, who created the heavens? Who is God who formed the earth and made it? Who has established it? Who did not create it in vain? Who formed it to be inhabited? I am the Lord, and there is no other. As it, as it says here in Isaiah, God created the heavens and the earth not in vain or not empty or a waste or without form and void. Now, if Isaiah says that God did not create the earth without form and void, but Genesis says that the earth was, was without form and void, kind of what's going on, right? So as I was studying this, I was kind of digging into it. And after much research, I kind of concluded that there's a high probability, uh, also by many other scholars, that there's an event that probably took place between 1 and 2. 
All right? I believe that that event's described in Isaiah 14, in particular in verses 12 through 15, where it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side of the north. I will ascend above the highest of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, or hell, to the lowest pits, the lowest depths of the pits. When reading these Scriptures, it really seems um, that what many scholars would call the gap theory. There's a theory that there's a gap between one and two. Uh, of those verses could be possible. I I don't know for sure, and I I wouldn't say, you know, one way or the other, but it really points to that. So I don't have enough knowledge of this text to be able to really make that claim. I don't think anybody really does, but it does align really well. Lucifer thought that he would take the position of God. He was thrust out of heaven and slammed down so hard into earth that he knocked it out of form. And... Uh, there's a lot of very well-known pastors that that hold that that view. As we go to the second part of that, though, it talks about, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. As you look at the second half of this verse, you see God hovers over the face of the water. In my studies, I learned that the reference to water is also a reference to the Word. And so if you look at John 15.3, you'll see you are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. As we see there, you know, the word clean and the word you know, being intertwined together that they're, it's a cleansing mechanism like water. There's also reference to it in Ephesians 5.25-26 where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loves the church and gave Him for her, that He might be sanctified and cleansed with the washing of water by the Word. So again, I feel that as the Spirit of God moves over the force of the water, or really the Word of God moves over the earth, right? Um, the Word is, is, is spoken, and that's how things move. That's how the Word moves within us as well. right? God's Word will move within our soul and stir us to do things, uh, drive us. As we go on to Genesis 1-3, this is the best part, in my opinion, or the most exciting part, especially of these verses. right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light is a crucial aspect to sustaining all life on earth. Without light, you know, none of us would exist. Nothing would exist. Uh, it makes sense to me that God would make light the first component of creation because of this. Our planet is truly a remarkable environment. It's different from any other planet in our solar system and from anything that we've observed nearby like the video. The size of the light-giving sun uh, and our distance from it means that Earth's temperatures are in the range that will allow life. 
the abundance of water and oxygen and carbon, uh, as well as many other factors, uh, make up our planet, make, make our planet basically a perfect place to live. In fact, many astronomers have said it's the Goldilocks of planets. Um, carbon is a particular, a very critical component. It's really the building block of all life. Um, it acts as the backbone of various structures such as our cells and the enzymes within them, uh, the, the essential molecules, including even the genetic code uh, that makes up the intelligence uh, and instructions that form our life. As I reminded you early in our discussion, proponents of the Big Bang Theory want you to believe uh, in a lot of things that we have never seen from a scientific perspective. In fact, some of the components of the Big Bang Theory have not even been proven to exist. Uh, in particular, there, there are three items. There's uh, uh, infla- inflationary theory, dark matter, and dark energy. I'm not going to go in and, and, and break those down because they're quite deep. I did read a lot about them. Um, but what's really interesting is that these are all theories. They're all made up. They've never been able to prove that they exist at all. But yet without them, the concept of the, of the Big Bang Theory and that we all came from that sort of ex- explosion, if you will, uh, breaks down. It, it doesn't exist. It, it can't function. It must have these, but yet they don't exist. Anyway, more, I honestly contest, honestly, that it would take more faith to believe in a Big Bang Theory than it would be to believe in Almighty God. But that being said, I I will say something positive about the Big Bang, and I'm sure that when God spoke, let there be light, that had a pretty Big Bang. So, um, as we move on... In Genesis 4, um, and God saw that the light, saw the light, and that the light, that, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. As we have been going through this, I sort of recap, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the earth became wiped out. The Spirit moved on the water, or the Word moved on the water, and God said, Let there be light. If you think about this deeply, in some ways, this, this is the story of our own lives, right? We were created in God's image, but sin wiped us out. The Spirit of God moved on us with His Word. We saw the light and we were born again. God separated the darkness from the light in our life and good things began to happen. Whether it be from the beginning of time, or from each of our beginnings, God is constantly working in our lives. He created each and every one of us regardless of where we stand in life today. He desires more than anything to be the God of each and every single one of us. He loves us immensely and is giving us all the opportunity to choose Him. But it's up to us to make the choice. So, as I close out in Genesis 1.5, God called the light day and the darkness He called the night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. I like to think of this as going from darkness to light as, as, as the whole sort of creation of the first day. 
as we see that happening. It's also how the Jewish people you know, start their days, which is really interesting. Their, their days start in the evening. And you know, so from darkness to light. Um, at the heart of this is a fundamental question that everyone, no matter who you are, has either asked or is asking or will continue to ask. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where will I go when I die? Because there's one thing that is for sure, and there's one thing that I can guarantee, actually, there's one thing that I can prove with millions upon millions of examples, is that we will all die. I remember my grandmother passed away. She was a really nice lady. She didn't have much stature. She was a great mother, loving wife to my father. I mean, uh, mother to my father and to my grandfather, a, a loving wife. She was faithful to her God. She didn't have much of a social life. Uh, but at her funeral, I was amazed at how many people showed up. Hundreds of people showed up. This person that you wouldn't think of that. I came to realize that you couldn't sit with my grandmother. My wife can attest to this in her old, and when she was older. She got to meet her. More than five to ten minutes that she would ask you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? She would ask you, no matter who you were, it didn't matter. She constantly told people about Jesus. And because of that, she led many people to Christ. I would ask the same question of everyone here, everyone watching right now that may be on the live stream or those that may watch this video, which a lot of people do down the road. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And if you don't, would you like to? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.